It's the free agency is behind us. It's in the rear view mirror edition of the Dolphins in depth show. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, star of the show, Adam Beasley. You did a great job of signing all of these high caliber, very expensive free agents for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. You, if there's one thing I do know, it's how to operate on a budget. And so <laughs> I sent uh, Chris Greer all my tips, how we uh, make our monthly budget in the Beasley household, and he seemed to abide by it. Uh, buy cheap. Look for value. Uh, don't be ashamed to get the uh, what, what is it? Uh, what do they call the Costco brand? The Kirkland brand. Kirkland. Uh, yeah, Kirkland brand uh, free agent. And uh, hope that uh, there will be riches down the road because it's not in the present. Kirkland is a great brand, by the way. Uh, but I, I kind of draw the, la- the line at Kirkland M&Ms. <laughs> it's like not the same. It's, you know, Kirkland M&Ms where the, the peanut is on the outside and the <laughs> chocolate is on the inside. They've got it sort of backwards. I'm just making that up. But Well, I, I, I do have a pro tip for uh, our thousands upon thousands of potters. Uh, Kirkland brand French vodka. It is worth it. It is like $25 for that 1.75 liter, um, and it is essentially uh, Grey Goose. It is the overstock of Grey Goose, which would be twice the cost for that size, and it's fantastic. And yes, you know, you, there, if you have a public, uh, if you have a, if you have a gathering of friends and family, a little party, you might be a little sheepish knowing that you're serving Kirkland brand vodka to your, to your guests, but as soon as they taste it, all that embarrassment will vanish. Kirkland, Kirkland brand, French vodka, the 1.75 liter. Go out and buy it today. This is amazing. The Dolphins and Dev show has turned to how to get drunk on a budget. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, you know, we service all, all uh, you know, corners of our listening audience. It's, well, it's the question lovely. is, who is the Kirkland brand French vodka signing for the Miami Dolphins? Wow. Well, that's uh, that's that's a great question that I'm totally not interested in. Um, so, <laughs> well, hey. the, the, the the idea is which of the guys they signed uh, actually are uh, hidden gems that uh, they uh, they didn't spend a ton of money on, but could end up being a massively impactful player for them. Nobody. Wow. I mean, not seriously. Even, not even Will Fuller. Okay. Um, I mean. Uh, all right. So here, here's my question. So he's a great slot corner uh, potential, right? Correct. Slot corner. Will Fuller. Well, well, <laughs> oh no, no, that's Justin Coleman. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Will I know Fuller. that I know they I know they are so interchangeable because they're all bargain basement deals, but they actually spent some uh, money on Fuller. No, actually, yeah, you're right. Uh, so I don't know. I was thinking bargain, and Will Fuller to me is not a bargain. I, not because of what he's making, but because of how the deal was set up. I mean, to me, that deal begged for voidable years. Mm, that that is that is a good point. Uh, they made a very conscious decision not to dip as, as, as at all, and they did, they are going to have to a bit uh, to sign the rookies, but to, to to very much so limit their future cap liability. Um, I, I don't understand why not. Uh, it, it's a lot of teams are doing it, 
and I think smartly so. And it's it's really not that tough of a of an exercise, and it's a smart exercise if you want to do it uh, from a percentage basis. I think, don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I totally. I, I mean, they may have done it already, and we just haven't heard about it. But they're going to have to uh, either uh, restructure Byron Jones. Um, maybe, you know, some of these rookies that, uh, that signed contracts in the last couple of years, um, maybe their, their, their annual salary becomes a signing bonus and they can free up a couple million dollars here or there. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're going to have to free up some space, but they didn't go whole hog. They didn't cut Albert Wilson. They didn't cut Jakeem Grant. They didn't cut Alan Hearns. All those dudes are still on the team. And you cut two of those guys, and you can pay for Will Fuller. So, yeah, there are a, a, a number of ways that they could have freed up cap space, and they just refused to do it. But what I was talking about is, like, adding voidable years to his contract. You do that, and all of a sudden, that $10 million cap hit is, a you know, possibly a – Two million dollar cap hit, right? I mean, but then you're pay, you're paying you're paying eight million dollars next year for a guy's on your team. Not I mean, next year, that, only if you're doing the voidable for one year. If you do no, it for four years, you're no, you're, you're spreading it out. That's not how it works. Uh, if if you cut him, if you if you it, which is what you know, voiding those those years would be. It all accelerates to year two. Right. So why so would if you cut him if he's good? Well, I mean, a lot of these voidable contracts have funny money on the back end. I mean, the other question is why not just sign him to a four-year, you know, $28 million contract or something? That, that way you could guarantee you have him for, for two years and you're not – I see – I think avoid, the voidable deals for teams that are really, really up against it, really up against it, and they only want a guy for one year. Uh, I don't think the Dolphins are either. Uh, I, I think they were kind of up against it, and, you know, I, I don't know – maybe it was Fuller who didn't want the, the longer-term commitment. Maybe he just thought, hey, I'm going to do a prove-it-year, a one-year deal and move on. Um, but I, I think it's actually smart that they didn't do a voidable contract with him two years – two million this year, eight million next year for a guy who's not on your team. The que- and I think the broader question is this. Why did uh, – well, they've signed, I don't know, 10 guys in the last two weeks or whatever. Why are the majority of them one-year deals? I mean <laughs> – Everyone they're signing, they they're 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 they, they like they don't love. And last year they signed a bunch of guys they thought they loved, and they obviously didn't because they got rid of three of them pretty quickly. But um, you know the you know the long list of guys they signed. Now I know Adam Butler and Seathan Carter they signed two or three year deals, so that helps a little bit more. But by and large, Jacoby Brissett one year deal. All, all these guys they brought on are just short term band aids that you, you would imagine they're going to address that position again in the draft for every one of those guys that signed a one-year deal. All right. So voidable years, uh, uh, little school is in. When a contract is signed, mm-hmm. the current year's cap consists primarily of the base salary and a portion of the signing bonus. By adding voidable years, the signing bonus can be split over more years. It doesn't have to be one year. It could be many years. Therefore, lowering the current caps ha- uh, current year's cap hit, and the advantage of that is it helps you get under the cap, of course, but you benefit from salary cap inflation each year. In other words, you are moving cap space out to a year where there's going to be more cap space. Right. Yeah. So it becomes hold on. So it yeah. becomes a lower percentage 
of your overall cap hit. Specifically, like a $2.5 million cap charge is a smaller percentage of the cap each year when the cap continues to increase, which it will. Totally agree. Totally agree. And it will be, the cap will be some $30, $35 million more next year than it is this year. But the, the, the point you're missing is when you void that contract, whenever you say, okay, well, you're done. So if you turn a five-year contract into a one-year contract, it's like cutting the dude after one year. It all accelerates to year two. So if, if you would do that for, for Will Fuller, if you would have a, you know, a $10 million signing bonus and then you have all this funny money in the next four years, you're still on the hook for that $8 million cap charge whenever you void that contract that year. So, yeah, no, I, I don't think it would be wise for the Dolphins to, to do that. I just think they could have – look, the, the broader issue we're, we're having, the conversation we're having is this. There were high-end free agents, wide receivers, defensive linemen, um, even a center that they didn't go after, that they could have if they had negotiated their books, maneuvered their books in a way um, to free up cap space this year to do it, and they just didn't. And my question to you is this. Why? Why, why were they so – risk averse when it comes to signing guys to big big money contracts when they were totally okay with doing it last year uh well they obviously didn't like the the ability to get some of these guys they had buyer's remorse last year which they made very clear this year by trading Manny uh not Manny sorry Shaq Lawson and cutting uh, Kyle Van Noy, who is playing for half the money in New England now. Uh, the Patriots also get a comp pick for having lost them for one year. Uh, chess versus checkers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they're, they're playing in the one year at a time situation, and I'm not loving it, but uh, that's what they're doing. And I don't understand some of their moves as it pertains to quality because, I mean, let's face it, some of these guys, uh, you know, aside from Will Fuller, uh, Seath and Carter, that's really what you want to go for and, you know, I don't know. Well, the, you know, it's the, the Brennan Scarlets of the world, the Matt Malcolm, Scurras, you know. Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. You know, there's there's a bunch of guys they signed. Well, it was Riley. A, it was it was a depth free agency for them. Robert Foster. Yeah, those are those are all premier special teams players, and you're the you know the the third team on your depth chart. A lot of those guys. Now, you know, they they did go out and trade for Bernardrick McKinney. And he no, is no, going no, 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 that's not free agency. Understood, understood. Okay. But I'm, I'm just saying as a whole how, how they've acquired, how they've managed the roster the last two weeks. Um, and I think Skur is going to be a starter for them because it's not going to be Michael Dieter, right? Because they don't have anybody else. Yes, correct. So uh, they, they did get three, maybe four starters, depending if one of these linebackers pop or Adam Butler is considered to be a starter or something like that. But – what, what did what did Chris Greer say the day after the season ended or two days after the season ended or whenever it was he talked after the season ended? We need to get more dynamic. We need playmakers. We need guys that are going to score points for us and take the ball away from, from the other team. But did they do that? I mean, I guess Will Fuller could score you some points. That's that's one. But you mentioned Malcolm Brown. They, they, they completely 
punted on the, the running back market, completely punted. And this was a year that there was value. And you could have gotten a running back this year for a pretty good value, and they, they, they got – a what did they get? They got an, they got another depth guy, right? They got another, they got, they got another Miles Gaskin. I mean, essentially, uh, in, in Malcolm Brown. So I, I just don't know where the help for two is going to come from. Well, it's going to come from the, the draft, obviously, but here's my question. Why add a bunch of guys that you should be drafting? Why pay a bunch of guys? You know, you're saying, uh, Adam Butler is going to start, really? Uh, I thought they drafted Ray, you know, Raekwon Davis for that. I thought they look. If you're going to pay, pay for quality. With all due respect to the Brennan Scarlets of the world and the Justin Coleman's of the world and the you know the Matt Scuras of the world and the Seathan Carters, I don't pay personally for special teams guys. Special teams guys get drafted in the 5th, 6th, 7th round. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. That's how smart teams do it. I'll I'll remind everyone, you know, Larry Izzo was a Pro Bowl special teams guy. You know what? He was an undrafted free agent. They drafted Zach Thomas in the 5th round to play special teams. He turned out to be great, and that's the beauty of, of of that thinking. Sometimes the guy, you know, surprises everyone, but you don't pay him on the front end to be. And they did it last year, didn't they? They 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 paid Clayton Fajeladum. Fajeladum. <laughs> yes, easy for you to say. So <laughs> they paid him to be what a special teams guy, and he got on the field. For two plays against Kansas City, and the the Chiefs, you know, burned them on a long touchdown pass. It, I, I don't get it. I, special teams is important, but you don't pay guys to play special teams unless he's the kicker, the punter, the long snapper. Period. But but the question is, did they pay these guys? I mean, they, you, the contracts have come in for a lot of these signings, and I would say half of them are for under two million bucks. So when when the but a draft pick well, makes six hundred thousand, uh, a little bit more than that. But then you have the signing bonus and all that. So yeah, I mean, the you're signing you're ta- bonus for a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah, look, how many of those guys that make the team? I mean, you, we can go back to criticizing Chris Greer's drafting, but, I mean, they, they they drafted a pass rusher in the fifth round last year. He didn't make it past the first week of training camp. So, and, and, and yeah, I mean, what was it? Uh, who, who, the, the receiver from uh, from Navy, his name is escaping. Is it Malcolm Brown? Is that Malcolm, Malcolm Perry. Malcolm Perry, I'm sorry. We're um, having name dyslexia here today. Yeah, totally. Um, Malcolm Perry didn't really see the field much after the you know first four or five games of the season last year, and the Dolphins needed receiver help. So I, I don't mind them spending an extra half million dollars, and that's what it is. I mean, it's a half million dollars to get a guy that you know is an established player that can help you in a certain role that they're looking for. I, I'm, I'm not going to crush them for – and they may have spent a total this year in, 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 in cap liabilities – of ten million dollars on six or seven guys. That that that's not going to bother me if those guys actually have a specific role and are impactful in the role that they have. If they're great on special teams, 
Um, you know, Duke Riley, apparently he's a pretty good coverage linebacker. If you can use him for 15, 20 snaps a game in a certain role and he does that role well, that's worth a million and a half to me. That, that, that totally is. My broader question is, why not do both? Why not sign those guys and free up cap space and go get one of the 10 edge rushers that would be an upgrade over what they have at outside linebacker right now? Why not do that? That's my broader issue with this free agency. So what you're basically saying, if I understand you, is you're fine with them paying for special teams guys because they suck at drafting. Is that what you're saying? I mean. (laughs) Because that's where you buy special teams guys cheap. You draft them. It, I mean, this is not rocket science. You, but uh, no, but no, but I also don't think uh, they see Duke Riley as solely as a special teams player. And the same with Brennan Scarlett. I think they see those guys playing from scrimmage. Okay. You you you, you don't think so? You don't you don't think we, you don't think we're going to see Brennan Scarlett play? Oh, I don't know, maybe. 300, 350 snaps from scrimmage on, on defense this year. If Brennan Scarlett plays 350 snaps from scrimmage on defense this year, we're in trouble. They're in trouble. That's that's all I got to say about that. But that's the thing is that you need to have and, and we're going to hit the break. Why do you soon. need to have that? You need to have depth and you need to have a guy that you can trust. Or you can pay for a really good player and have that guy well, and let the draft supply your depth. Well, they ob- they obviously made the decision, and again, this is the broader criticism where we both share of their free agency, is that they refused to pay anybody anywhere close to what market value was. And again, you can say, hey, that's smart. Uh, uh, winning teams don't spend in free agency. Well, Tampa Bay Buccaneers just spent a lot of money in free agency in 2020. They won the Super Bowl. So on great free agents, by the way. They didn't spend on second and third tier free agents. They didn't spend on guys that uh, nobody's ever heard of. Well, I mean, <laughs> they're, they they're also win the talk, Super Bowl talk, because talk, they got went out and got you know Jacoby Brissett. They went out and got Tom Brady. Understood. Understood. And they. I guess we can agree that they their evaluation of the roster is that it's not close to what the Buccaneers' evaluation of the roster was last year, that a strong push from free agency would make them Super Bowl contenders. That, that's what they're telling us. So let me, before we go to break, real quick, okay? Um, you like the Jacoby Brissett signing? Sure. I like it too. Yes, yeah, $5, million, $5 million bucks for a guy who started games and, and you know, could help you in a number of ways this year. That's a good signing. Adam Butler. Yes. You like it, why? Because they got a, at the very least, a number three defensive tackle for, what, three, three and a half million bucks. I think that's that's good value. Okay. Uh, I think you can draft them in the fifth round. In fact, they did. <laughs> they did, and and he went and signed with New England. I think that's how you you handle the number three defensive lineman interior. You you draft the guy, but that's fine. I mean, that's that's just me. Seathan Carter, you like that signing? I mean, he's the new Camu. I I, I think I, I if there's one that I could agree with you, giving that guy a three year deal was strange to me. So they're going to pay this year. Their the cap number for him is one point seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, don't understand. He's going to be costing the team more than Raquan Davis, more than Brandon Jones more than Dieter, more than a bunch of guys. I don't 
you know, another million to Robert Foster, another million to Brennan Scarlett, another million to Duke Riley. That's three million, over three million dollars I just talked about to players that, okay, they're not going to move. They're not going to move the, 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 the chains for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, no, they're not going to make the Dolphins better. We, I want to get into this more, but we're we're really long, so let's take a quick break and and, and we can we can discuss this more. Uh, Armando, I think we have a fundamental agreement of how they approach free agency and why we thought it was flawed. I just don't know why they couldn't do both. Uh, I, I I think they I, both. I, they, we've talked about this earlier in the in the podcast about how they could have freed up tens upon tens upon tens of million dollars of more. If you want to talk about misallocation of resources, go and look at Alan Hearns' contract and why he's still on the team as their number seven wide receiver. I mean, I don't mind adding depth at a lot of different positions on the cheap, which they did, If, but that can't be all you do in free agency. And again, they're going to say Will Fuller and McKinney was actually part of free agency, even though he wasn't. They're going to say that, but... My broader issue is this. Every year, teams have guys they sign for a million, two million bucks. And if you go and look at those contracts, some of them, they have $200,000 of guaranteed cash. So you can get the training camp, and if he stinks, we cut him. It's not a big deal. I think we're missing the forest with the trees here. You can do that. You can, you can, you can have a depth free agency and also go sign Hassan Reddick for $8 million bucks. That's all he costs. He costs less than Will Fuller did, and I think he'll have a bigger impact than Will Fuller. That's my broader uh, criticism of this, is that there's, there's nothing wrong with adding depth, veteran depth that you guys you can trust, and you pay a premium of an extra half million dollars over a draft pick. And Oh, yeah, you still have that draft pick you can use on something else. you got to think of the additional value you have by making a signing like that. As long as you do things that truly impact your roster to make it better, and I just don't see that aside from maybe the Will Fuller signing. Right, uh, and I agree with you on that. Uh, I, I totally agree with you on that. But what I'm saying is they have gone out and added a bunch of guys. And they've paid, uh, not premium for those guys, but they've paid, you know, obviously those guys are free agents, so they're going to make at least the veteran minimum. And my point is, you can easily, if you have confidence in your drafting, if you have confidence in your personnel department and your scouting department, you can find those guys or better for 50% sometimes cheaper in the draft. And, oh, by the way, they have a ton of draft picks. Well, so why are you using your cap space, which is at a premium right now, to do the the thing that you could do for much cheaper in the draft if you know how to draft. Yeah, I, I don't know how this podcast became me defending Chris Greer, but I will say this. Uh, last year, they filled a ton of needs through the draft. A ton. And they had even more and better draft picks last year than they do this year. I know they had five versus the number three this year, but they had three first-round picks. They had a ton, a ton of picks last year. And which of those rookies popped? That is not the fault of the draft. That is well, the fault of the drafters. Uh, what does every single coach I've ever covered say? 
The biggest leap you make is between year one and year two, and you cannot evaluate a draft in year one because these guys, are their heads are swimming, particularly with no offseason because of the pandemic and blah, 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 blah. So uh, your your theory is you should go and draft guys that you want to to contribute at a high level right away when we have zero. On special teams, Beasley. I'm not asking them to be this, you know, this – Justin Jefferson, I'm asking them to play special teams, for God's sakes. Well, I mean, again, how many of those guys played last year played special teams a ton? So you're telling me last year's draft was terrible? We'll see. But I I can understand, and this is my broader point. We have to get to Deshaun Watson because this is what people want us to talk about. I've been getting tweets upon tweets about us ducking the Deshaun Watson scandal. So we'll get to that. Uh, but my, my, my broader issue is this. I, I think they wanted to set up free agency in a way where they had depth taken care of, where they didn't have to go to any single position and say, we absolutely need this guy to hit or we're, our team's going to suck. And, and I think that was if that was the framework through which they approached free agency, it was they, they, they accomplished their goal. I don't think it was the right goal. I think the goal should be to get substantially better if they have the opportunity to, particularly because there is value out there this year that there won't be next year and there wasn't last year. But I, I just think that their approach was we need to fill in the back end of our roster and because we know that you know, the draft is a crapshoot to begin with, and even guys that we hit on, year two might look a lot different than year one. And, and I think that's the approach they took. And they're going to be judged on it. Certainly if, it, you know, if they throw out Duke Riley out there on third downs and he's getting roasted, it's going to be a bad signing. Obviously, they could have, they could have addressed that position more. If they end up with you know, you know, 25 sacks as a team this year because they didn't pay for a pass rusher, we're going to roast them for that. That's totally cool. I'm just explaining how I saw their philosophy. I might not agree with their approach, but I'm not going to get worked up about signing depth when every team needs depth. Every team does. The question is, why didn't they do more than depth? You call it depth. I call it special teams because that's where they're going to basically get those get value from those guys playing special teams. And all I have to say about that is Blake Ferguson last year in the sixth round, outstanding pick. He's a special teams player. We all knew it. He's only going to play special teams. But you know what? He's their long snapper potentially for the next 10 years. So great pick. Jason Sanders in 2018, this last pick for the Miami Dolphins, number 229 overall. Great, great draft pick because guess what? They didn't have to pay for a kicker. They actually drafted a kicker, and he's a pro bowler. And God bless him for that. That's great special teams work. Uh, Devon Godshaw in the fifth round. Vincent Taylor in the sixth round. Backup third-tier Defensive linemen, great. The fact that they overproduced, uh, uh, at least Godshaw did, that's even better. But at least you didn't pay $3 million for them. That's how it works. I mean, I thought I don't, well, the idea they, was built through th- the draft. Who, who do they pay $3 million to? All these guys are at most two, and most are one, one and a quarter. I mean, it's – there's there, and, and here's the thing, and I can't believe we wasted all this time with this conversation because there's just so much better stuff to talk about. But, but the broader issue is this. They, they have all these draft picks now they can do whatever they want with. Like literally whatever they want. They're not going into the draft saying, oh, my God, we have to have this or the draft is a failure. 
And I think that's a pretty good position to be in. So why'd you pay Adam Butler $3 million in cap space this year, $4.5 million next year? Because $3 million is a tiny... Even you, just with a, said, you just said that they didn't pay $3 million, and I'm telling you, they did. Okay, so they paid over $3 million for what? Adam Butler, uh, Jacoby Brissett, Will Fuller. That, those are the only three that will have a cap figure over $3 million this year. The rest are just guys. As, I, as I've said... They, they can walk away from a lot of these deals if they don't work out anyway. After a year? No. These are these guys are on one year deal. Go and look at some of these contracts. Uh, I, th- I think I, I don't well, want to speak yeah, out of term. After a year? No, no. After a week, uh, Duke Riley's getting I think one point seven five or something. This is this might be this. I might be thinking of the other dude because they signed two backup linebackers in the same day. But either so, either so you know, hang on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, Duke Riley or Brandon Scarlett are both going to cost about a million and a half. And, and at least one, I think both of them, have $200,000 of guaranteed money. So you're talking about all this cap space they're burning. If, if they don't like them, it's two hundred grand. That's all they spend. Not true. If they don't like Justin Coleman, it's seven hundred and fifty grand, and the dead money would be $1.75 I Justin Coleman wasn't the one I brought up, but I'm sure his cap figure is still under $2 million bucks. And by the way, and by the way, by the way, he might be their starting slot nickel. Which tells you what? That they might have value. You can't have it both ways. Here's the problem. They drafted an extra corner last year. So he has a first round. What do you want me to say? I'm not defending. I'm not defending Chris Greer's. I'm not defending Chris Greer's drafting. I'm not. I'm not saying that it was wrong. What I'm saying is you drafted a cornerback in the first round last year. You paid more than God would pay for a cornerback in free agency, and you already had the best corner in the NFL on the team. So at some point, you should get value from those three and have them all on the field together with Noah Ibnagani as your slot corner. But no. They went in and spent $2.5 million on Justin Coleman. It makes no earthly sense unless you can't draft and Noah Ibnagani is not that good and all of a sudden you're trying to cover up the hole that you created. You have absolutely no argument for me on that. Again, we don't know if Ibnagani is going to be good. We don't know if he's actually a boundary corner and there's just too many guys in front of him. I again, I don't know those answers. But if you're asking me uh, to defend Chris Greer's drafting, I'm not going to do that. He's had some hits. He's had more misses than hits. That's not great. What what I was saying is, I don't see an issue with with adding depth to a team that for years. I, this is my uh, this is my tenth season on the beat, Armando. Ten seasons, and I can't tell you how many. Look at the playoff game they were in 2016. Bakari Rambo was running around there in the defensive backfield because they had zero depth. So if you're telling me I can add depth, guys who have logged real snaps and can contribute in certain roles for pennies on the dollar, I'm fine with that. It's not pennies, Beasley. I, I get it if it's one or two guys, but we're talking six or seven guys, and now you're talking maybe eight or nine million dollars. If you cut, like you said, that's, that's, and walk away, hold on, excuse me. And you walk away from Malcolm Brown, his dead cap hit this year is $1.75 million. 
to not have him. Well, they're not. They're, guys whose contracts are structured that way are obviously going to stick. Unless your name is Jordan Howard and you're just a complete bust, okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, <laughs> but, by, but by and large, these are one-year gambles. That's all they are. And me. And and, and, and and maybe none of them hit, and maybe they go, you know, five and twelve because it's a seventeen game season this year because of it. Uh, but this team has always, always lacked depth, and now they're adding depth and guys that could be backstops at pretty reasonable prices. Look, we're only talking about this. The only reason we're talking about this is the cap went down this year. It's the only reason we're discussing this. If the cap was $210 million this year, as some people are expecting, and you could get eight contributors for a total of 12 or 13, $14 million against the cap, you're like, yeah, that's pretty good value and not think twice about it. The only reason we're having this conversation is the team refused to free up cap space this year so they could do, get all these guys and sign the, the high end guys that we'd be discussing. We spent the last half an hour talking about not a bunch of guys that are going to play special teams and maybe 15 snaps from scrimmage a game. Uh, I would say the reason that I'm speaking about this is because I see what they've done. They've added a bunch of guys who are basically uh, back of the roster and and special teams guys, but they've paid for them. And in my estimation, that's overpaying, and those guys aren't going to move the Dolphins forward. Those guys aren't – Malcolm Brown may not even make the team. If they draft a running back like we expect them to in the first couple of rounds, that guy should be the starter. And Miles Gaskin could be, you know, RB2. And they, they're going to have, there's going to be a fight for RB3. And that's the one that Malcolm Brown is going to have to fight. And he's not assured of winning that fight. And if he doesn't win it, he costs the team $1.75 million. I, I would like to make the side bet with you. If it's between Malcolm Brown and Savan Ahmed for that last running back spot, and they're going to keep at least four, but let's just say it's for their fourth spot, the guy they gave guaranteed money to is the guy who makes the team. Fair. Now what if they draft two running backs? Now what are you doing? <laughs> can we now talk about, what are you doing? Can we talk about Deshaun Watson, please? Because I've been yeah. waiting 35 minutes to do it. We're almost All out of time. Right. Go. <laughs> uh, the trade, all trade talk has to be on hold, right? There's, there's, there's no way a team with this much uncertainty, and for those who've been living under a rock, uh, literally dozens of women have now accused uh, Deshaun Watson of inappropriate behavior, masseuses that he says they say he uh, he took advantage of essentially. He they, he that he st- crossed the line and he acted in an inappropriate and potentially illegal way. Uh, have all so- told a very similar story. And we don't know all the evidence, obviously, and he is not even – I don't think he's even the subject of a criminal investigation at this point, but there's some smoke here. And I think it's enough smoke to scare off teams, at least for the time being. The idea of the Dolphins trading the number three pick for Deshaun Watson at this point seems pretty fanciful. So I I did some, you know, background check uh, work here. I spoke to a current NFL general manager. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he told me, right, was um, that the conversation from top to bottom, it's it's a it's an exercise to quote him, an exercise in futility without more information. That's the reason I haven't written about it, because I don't know all the ins and outs. I just don't. Uh, we don't know 
what these women are, you know, they're not who these women are. We don't know. Um, it, it, it's it's a coordinated situation that uh, I don't know. Understood. I'm not okay. done. So they might have a, a great case. And if they do, it will play out in court. Let's wait for it to play out in court. No? Totally correct. This could be a coordinated uh, maximizing pain for Deshaun Watson at a very vulnerable time for him, but also be true. We just we 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 don't know, and you're absolutely right. right. We don't know, um, and that uncertainty with the draft five weeks away now, and the Dolphins' best asset is not that great of an asset if they're not willing to trade it for a guy who's got some question marks. That really complicates things for the Dolphins. Yeah, it's clear that there's not going to be a trade anytime soon, and possibly at no point in 2021 and Deshaun Watson probably isn't going to play in 2021 for anybody. <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, I, I haven't noticed that the, the Houston Texans have rushed to suddenly put him on the trade market. And if anyone knows whether this is legit or not, I would assume that the Houston Texans plugged into everything Houston would know. And yet they have not, their resolve has not moved one inch. They are not trading Deshaun Watson because they don't want to trade Deshaun Watson. So uh, that that says something to me personally that maybe they think that Deshaun Watson is worth holding on to. Well, uh, or they a <laughs> couple of things. One, we don't know these guys. Even the teams don't know these guys. The Dolphins did not know how messed up Jonathan Martin was, and they evaluated him in, in college. They, they discussed him thoroughly through the draft process, and they had him on their roster for an entire year, and even they didn't know how jacked up he was in the head, okay? So, I mean, there, there, there are – players often show what they want to be shown, unless you're a complete basket case, like Isaiah Wilson, who we didn't even discuss, who is so much of an obvious red flag that the team has to move on. A lot of these guys, there are shades of gray. Look, I'm not, this is going to come out terrible, but I'm going to say it artfully. I'm sure that there are a lot of people close to Bill Cosby who didn't think he was a, a predator, okay? And I'm not saying, saying Deshaun Watson is Bill Cosby, but these people, a lot of these predators hide themselves from the world. They do. They're able to shield themselves in a way that they have you know, an image publicly and, and their behavior privately. And again, this might not be Deshaun Watson at all, and this could be a money grab. I don't know the facts. I, I, I truly do not. But I, I think the broader issue is this. The Texans are going to let this play out because they had no intention of trading to begin with. And now, if they do try to trade him, Deshaun Watson's market value is in the toilet. They're going, teams are going to offer a lot less with this uncertainty than they would have a month ago with, you know, with the pristine image. So I think the Texans, I don't think them not putting him on the market is an indication of them supporting him. I think it's more along the lines of, like, look, we're never going to get less for this guy than we are right now because of the uncertainty. You know what I think the, um, the, the thing that moves the line for me is going to be, uh, and the reason that I'm a little dubious still, is because so far all of this is a, is a civil manner, matter. Uh, none of it has become criminal. At the point where police are involved or a grand jury is seated and the district attorney is 
you know, wants to bring charges against him criminally, that I think is the, the, the watermark that everybody's looking at as, uh oh, he's really, really in trouble. Until then, it's, it's a civil matter. And why haven't these people gone to the police? Yeah, well, the, the attorney, uh, Busby, who, by the way, lives literally across the street from the McNairs, um, says he is going to the police. So he my said guess, that before and the police came out with a statement saying nobody's come to us. Right. Well, we'll this will play out. I'm sure the next time we speak, because we do have to wrap this up, we will know a lot more now than we know now. We will know if the police are involved. We will know. Uh, I don't I, I think uh, Watson's attorney is going to have a pretty forceful defense. We'll hear his side. And then we'll go. But uh, I would make a very strong bet with anybody, including you, Armando, that on on March 30th, when we next speak, Deshaun Watson will still be a member of the Houston Texans. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that in the least, unless he's in jail. So on that case, note, <laughs> in, which, in which case he'd still be a member of the Houston Texans, but uh, more likely, you know, not to definitely not to play this year, which is looking more and more the case so far. Uh, I need to go take a shower. <laughs> On that note, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back in seven short days, and you hope we hope you join us then.